thank you this morning. Your incredible love for us. We love you so much. We love you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in our lives. I just want to honor you this morning. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We're in awe of you. We thank you. Come and have your way. Father, I pray even now that as I try to share a little bit from your amazing word, that Holy Spirit, you would energize the word of God, make it alive, quicken it to our hearts, bring revelation so that, Lord, it can transform and change us into that which you want us to be and to walk in, Lord. We honor you, we love you, and we just thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to worship you, to sing and to praise you. We bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, people said, amen, amen. I'm really uh, excited and also a little bit nervous this morning because um, I, I, I really, I kind of uh, approach this uh, topic or area or whatever we want to call it uh, with a little bit of fear and trembling. Um, and uh, as we've been hearing, it's... Uh, it is Pentecost, so um, this is a day that the church we celebrate 50 days after Easter, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, when the Holy Spirit came and filled and fell upon the disciples in the upper room. And um, so I, I, I really do want to uh, just share on Holy Spirit. I've called this morning's uh, message, Possessed by Fire. Um, but I want to up front first want to say this. I want to say we can either have a preach this morning or a message, or we can have an encounter and a transformed life. Um, so I'm not sure which one you're going for, but I'm not going for a message. I'm going to go for a, an encounter with God and a transformed life. And the Bible says we don't have because we don't ask, so we're going to ask Him now that He would come and uh, encounter us. So Father, I just thank You that as I stand before You this morning with fear and trembling, Lord, I just... Ask that, Holy Spirit, you would do what only you can do in and through me as I share, that every single person that's listening to this um, online, Lord God, or even later, whenever, every person that listens to this would have an encounter with you, Holy Spirit, that their life will be transformed and changed, that they would never be the same again, that it would just be a, not just a moment, Lord God, but a, a whole shift in their heart and in their direction, in their living, in their life, and everything, Lord God, would just change because they would meet you, Lord. So I just ask today, Father, that you would come and have your way uh, in every single one of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So just first of all, and just in talking about Holy Spirit, um, I, I really do believe um, that one of the key things 
in relation to us understanding and talking about Holy Spirit is the way we see Holy Spirit. Um, the way we see Him is the way we are actually um, um, relate to Holy Spirit. And um, I think there's where the, where the challenge comes in because for some reason, I don't know why, but throughout the church history, uh, it's just we've been very nervous to concentrate too much on Holy Spirit or to give Ho Holy Spirit too much honor or love or uh, acknowledgement because we're scared that maybe we're taking something away from the Father or Jesus. And uh, so I, I want to kind of try and adjust and fix all of that because I want to say categorically now up front that the most important person on this earth right now is Holy Spirit. Friends, the Father and the Son are not on this earth. The Father is in heaven and Jesus went up. We can read very clearly uh, in Acts how Jesus was taken up. He ascended into heaven and the angels, the two angels there declaring to the disciples said, and he will return in the same way. But Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. He is now our high priest. He is our intercessor. He is standing in the gap on behalf of us. But friends, the one who is here on this earth is Holy Spirit. The most important person on this earth is Holy Spirit. So the most important work on the earth right now that you and I do is not your job. It's not the work of the government. It's not the work of the army or the police force or Anything else, it is the work of Holy Spirit. So we need to understand, we need to uh, understand what Holy Spirit means to us and how we can partner and work with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it very interesting? At the end of 2 Corinthians, the letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians, the second letter, he says there that the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say fellowship of the Father or fellowship of the Son. He says fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That word there is cornonia. It means to fellowship. It means to partner. It means intimacy. Um, we need to understand Holy Spirit so that we can have this fellowship with Holy Spirit so that we can do and achieve all that God has called us to. Amen? What I find fascinating is that um, the church has felt that we could take something that the early church didn't have and still accomplish what God has called us to do, or we thought it was all right not to have that which the early church had. What did the early church have? The early church had Holy Spirit. What the early church didn't have was the Word of God. So we think that's all right. We just have the Word of God. We can just memorize scriptures and we can just quote them and we can achieve and do all that God's called us to do. Friends, it's not just about the Word of God. It's also about Holy Spirit. It's about the Word and power. It's about a union of the two coming together. This was expressed even from the very beginning uh, when God said, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is co-equal. The Holy Spirit is immutable, infinite, eternal. The Holy Spirit is co-powerful. 
The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father. It's three in one. The Trinity. It's, if you can understand that, then you are better than, than all, if not everybody on this planet. Because it's, it's difficult to understand. But Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three, but they're one. So what we're talking today about is Holy Spirit, who is God. And so we need to understand something very clearly. When Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit fell, God came. See, God dwelt inside of us. Every single one of us, this was God's house. But He was evicted out of His own house because of sin. And He sent His Son to come and restore and take back His house so that He could fill it with Himself. The story of the gospel is about God filling His house again. Friends, I know how important salvation is. And I know that it is so important that we give our lives and that we surrender to Jesus Christ. But friends, that's not the end goal. The end goal was not just giving our lives to Jesus. The end goal was getting God back into us to be filled with Him. Our temple to be filled with saturated, overflowing with God once again. Uh, in in uh, Ephesians 3, it talks about um, to know the love of God that surpasses all understanding. That we'd be filled with the fullness of God. God is wanting to us to know His incredible love for us. Yes, He had to take care of sin, friends, but He had to take care of sin so that He could come and fill us with Himself. So what I want to just touch on and talk on a little bit this morning about God coming to fill us and how important it is that He came to fill us with Holy Spirit. Friends, Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. Holy Spirit is not gifts. Holy Spirit is not a tree with fruit. Holy Spirit is a person. And what I'm talking about is a personal relationship with a person. We cannot relegate Him to anything else. He has to be understood as a person who wants to come and have a relationship with you and I. I love uh, John 14. I just want to read to you verses 16 and 17. Um, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Isn't that beautiful? There's a wonderful uh, understanding here that God says he, he wants to give us the Holy Spirit who will be with us forever. Forever. Not just for our time on this earth, but forever. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another helper there, the uh, Greek word there is parakletos, and it's actually, it's, 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 the Greek here is alos, parakletos. There's two words there, um, hetros or alos, and the word alos is used here. Hetros means uh, distinct, but um, completely different, and uh, alos means distinct, but the same. So, and then parakletos, the comforter, the helper, uh, the one who will come alongside 
that God was giving us somebody different but the same as Jesus. So Jesus here is saying, I'm going to give you the helper, the parakletos, um, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, there's something we need to understand here about Holy Spirit being with you and Holy Spirit being in you. Almighty God coming and dwelling and being inside every single one of us. So I want to I wanna, I kind of uh, just journey a little bit today and, and then over the next couple of weeks we want to do a series on Holy Spirit and we want to share all the different things about Holy Spirit, who He is, uh, what He's doing in our lives, uh, how we can relate to Him uh, relationally, um, how we can walk this journey together. So there's, there's a lot here, but this morning I just want to uh, cover, uh, just introduce us a little bit and cover a couple of different areas. Um, so God is not just wanting to visit, He's wanting to dwell. That's why the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're the home of the Holy Spirit. He wants to make us the resource center for God's power. He wants our lives to be a resource center for God's power. And I'm saying this very carefully, um, but... Don't you find it fascinating, and I, I always find this fascinating, that Jesus came and poured out His life into the twelve. We know that Judas uh, was destined and appointed uh, for a, a purpose, and, uh, and, and so let's just talk about the eleven. God pours His life out into the eleven, and then He goes back to heaven and entrusts all of His work to those eleven. I want to tell you something here that's a key, that Jesus did not just entrust all of His work uh, to those 11 and just was full of faith, because God is full of faith, but that's really having a lot of faith. He entrusted what was about to happen that those 11 will be able to do and uh, carry forward what He had started. What He was entrusting was that Holy Spirit would come. He was entrusting that Holy Spirit would do something amazing and wonderful in their lives. Let me share this with you. Those 11 spent three and a half years with Jesus. And um, when it came down to Jesus on the cross, every single one of them betrayed Him. We always love and we get focused on the story of Peter. That Peter, um, how he betrayed Jesus three times. But friends, every single one of them, every one of those disciples ran away. Um, and, and, and actually um, were petrified. But then there's this beautiful Pentecost moment in their lives, and we see a complete change and transformation in those 11 disciples after Pentecost. When they are transformed in their lives, friends, they will never betray Jesus again. What happens at Pentecost, friends, is their lives get so transformed that they will die for the gospel and for Jesus. That we see such a testimony of every single one of them that they get martyred for their faith. Friends, what happened to those 11? They encountered Holy Spirit and He came and He anointed and He filled their lives. 
And he, not just, he didn't just fill their lives, friends, but he came and he rested upon them. So can I journey uh, with you this morning through a little bit of the Word of God and hopefully help us understand a little bit more about Holy Spirit? Do you know what's amazing in the Word of God? What's amazing in the Word of God is that Jesus is born into this world, spends his life growing up, encountering God, talking to the Lord, having this relationship with God. But friends, even though he could have, at any stage in his life, begun to operate and do things, because he, he knew the task that he had. 1 John 3, I think it's verse 8, talks about um, that he came to destroy the works of the enemy. But even Jesus waits 30 years before he started his ministry to do and to work out the purpose and the plan that God had for him. Why did he wait 30 years, friends? Because he was waiting and listening to the Father, waiting for the Father to give him the go-ahead. And the Father gave him the go-ahead when he was 30 because he went down to the River Jordan where there was a man there called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was baptizing people in a baptism of repentance in water. But John the Baptist had seen something and he knew something. He said, I baptize in you in water, but one is coming after me who I am not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. That he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And one day he looks and he sees and he recognizes the one. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John cries out and says, I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, to fulfill all righteousness, you need to baptize me, friends. And he baptizes him as a model for every single one of us in water. And then when he comes out of the water, the heavens are split open. And as they split open and torn, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and fills Jesus. And the Bible says it will rest upon him. And when it rests upon him, Friends, the voice comes down and says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. A life surrendered to God, a life filled with Holy Spirit, a life where Holy Spirit is resting upon him in such power and such authority. And Jesus goes forth from that moment on in the power of God. He's led, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he encounters the enemy. Because the Holy Spirit, friends, empowers us not just uh, to do things for God, but empowers us in our life, to live our lives. And the Bible says that he, he gets tempted by the enemy and he comes out of the, of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to encourage you here today, Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is the power of God. When you encounter the power of God, you're encountering Holy Spirit. Let me give you an illustration to help you understand this in the journey that as Jesus walked. Jesus is doing amazing miracles. Power of God is moving and flowing. He's walking along the street. The crowds are surrounding him. 
You can read this in Mark chapter 5. They're surrounding him, surrounding him. He's going quite slowly. How many know that Jesus was a people person? He's talking to people. He's relating to people. He's encouraging people. He's just he's having conversations. Crowd is all flocking, trying to get close to him. How many know you want to get close to Jesus? You want to touch him, touch his life? Um, you want to just be close? And uh, this is all going on. So there's a slow procession going along. And then somehow, by some incredible miracle, there's a woman with the issue of blood who is not supposed to be in a public arena. And, uh, and she, like, pushes through the crowd to find her way towards Jesus. And she just says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that she reached out and she touched him. And then power flowed from Jesus. And when power flowed from Jesus, he stopped and he said, who touched me? Now, there were many people touching him. But there was only one that made a withdrawal from his life and power flowed, friends. What is the life, friends, that a person can be walking along, that a person can know exactly when power, when there's been a withdrawal of their life? Friends, that is a life that is consecrated, that is dedicated, that is filled, that is in relationship with Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit is power. And this lady made a withdrawal of Holy Spirit. And what we love about, what I love about God is that the Bible says, I think it's in John 3, verse 33, 34, 35, around there, where it says that Jesus was given the Holy Spirit without measure. So it wasn't as if she made a withdrawal from Jesus, uh, uh, drew on Holy Spirit, and now Jesus had less Holy Spirit. But he could feel when Holy Spirit was being pulled, when, when, when the power of God, when Holy Spirit was uh, being pulled from him to be ministered to others. That's, that's the relationship that Jesus had with Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage us today that we can have that relationship. We can just understand that this was a relationship with a person, the person of Holy Spirit. So Jesus stops and he says, who... Who pulled on me? Then what's amazing, friends, just jump over to Mark chapter 6, which I've been stuck in Mark chapter 6 for a while. I shared a little bit about uh, Mark chapter 6 um, the last time I ministered a couple of weeks ago. But Mark chapter 6, Jesus begins uh, to minister, and he has probably fifteen to 20,000 people following him. And yet, instead of trying to please the crowd. Instead of trying to be a people pleaser, he's listening to his father and he's only saying what his father. He is responding to his father and what his father is doing. He's not reacting to the crowd or whatever the enemy is doing. Friends, I want to encourage you. Far too much of the church is reacting to whatever the enemy is doing instead of responding to the Father, responding to Holy Spirit, who we have a relationship with in our lives. Because Jesus, in response to the Father, decides to preach a message that's such a cracker. And he says, you have to eat of my blood, and uh, you have to eat of my body and drink of my blood, that he loses all 15 to 20,000 of the crowd. I want to encourage us today, there's been such an emphasis on the ability 
to preach the word, on the ability to, to uh, stir up and to motivate and the skills of how to present and how to talk and how to impress a bunch of people. That we've forgotten that actually it's all about the presence and the power of God. God is wooing and calling a generation back. A whole generation, friends, it's not just about the big guys standing behind pulpits doing a whole bunch of stuff. The Holy Spirit fell on everyone. Everyone who would call on Him, everyone who would open their hearts and their eyes to Him and ask Him to come, He would come because He wants to take every single one of our lives and fill our lives with Himself and transform us into a whole generation of people that host the Lord and His presence well. Because what happened there, friends, is that Jesus was more interested in pleasing His Father, more interested in listening to Holy Spirit, listening and seeing what God was saying than about a whole group of people. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, my words are spirit and life. Jesus said His words are spirit and life. And friends, when all the crowd leaves and all He's left with is 12, and I want to encourage every single preacher, every person out there, um, to be bold enough to lose the crowd, but not to lose Jesus or the Holy Spirit. You know something about David's life that cries out inside of me was he said something. He was a king. He said, you can take everything away from me. You can take my kingdom. You can take the kingship. You can take my wife. You can take my kids. You can take everything, but do not take the Holy Spirit from me. He understood that everything was about Holy Spirit in this relationship. Friends, Jesus understood this beautiful relationship about Holy Spirit. With Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not an it. I don't know why I'm just going to say that. Far too much of the church keeps talking about Holy Spirit, it. Holy Spirit is also not an influence, friends. Not just some power, an influencer who does things for us. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when we have a relationship with a person, friends, you want to be with that person. You want to relate to him. I don't want to relate to some knowledge. I want to relate to a person. And when you relate with that person, you want to be with them. You want to nurture them. There's a, there's a journey here of a relationship, friends. And when you're with that uh, person and you're journeying in that relationship, friends, then that person who is power begins to move and flow. And then your words are no longer just words. And then they don't just have authority. They also have power. Jesus said my words are Spirit. Friends, they are spirit. I want to uh, use this beautiful um, illustration as well, found in Matthew chapter 10. You can go over and look at it. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is, is imparting to the, the disciples now um, their ministry 101, and now he's gathered them together because he's going to send them out to go and, uh, and uh, share the gospel. And uh, he says to them, I mean, maybe I should just read it so that you... You can actually capture and picture the, the point here that Jesus is trying to make. Let me, oh, oh there's so much I want to say and I, I'm running out of time. But um, So uh, Matthew chapter 10 verse 1, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every uh, affliction. Um, and then you see all the different names. Uh, and these 12, he sent them out, instructing them. And he said, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
that is probably the shortest sermon that you will ever hear. And uh, Jesus, the disciples are sitting there going, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Okay, let me write this down. This is radical. What's Jesus going to say? And he says, okay, I want you to go and I want you to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of, okay. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Okay. Uh, what do we do? How do we do this? Just preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then heal the sick. I don't know if you're catching, but this is just... And then he says, let's just jump down to uh, verse 12. As you enter the house, greet it. I don't know if you can picture, I can picture the disciples sitting around. I'm trying to learn from Jesus. Do you know, I've been to so many leadership courses and so many leadership things where people are training us how to do a bunch of stuff and what to do and, and all the different things and there's reams and reams of pages. And I can just imagine them sitting down now, they're going to take this deep thing. And he says, and then when you enter the house, greet it. Hello, house. Isn't it? It's just, I mean, the Bible is, is, is living, so it's, it's alive. We, we, we must read it as, as and he says, um, and uh, uh, as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. How is that possible, friends? What is he trying to say here? What he is trying to say is that we declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because I have a relationship with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is inside of me. My words are no longer just words. My, my words now, friends, have become spirit. I hope we're catching this. So now I have a relationship with Holy Spirit, with power. I declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand, friends. And I begin to demonstrate that power. Reminds you of Acts chapter 1, the first few verses. Jesus went about doing and teaching. There was a demonstration, friends, and then he also taught. But here we see, he says, come into a house, and he says, greet it. Because you are carrying a sphere of influence and you are carrying a, 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 an authority and a power, friends, that when you speak, you release that into the realm of wherever you are. So you come into a home, you, your words become spirit when Holy Spirit and the Word come together. And they are released with power and authority, and you can release them into a home. It's like when, you, when you're sitting with a person and you're sharing with them, and they feel the presence of God encountering them and changing their lives, and they go like, wow, when you spoke that, I just felt so at peace. Because now your peace can come upon the person. Is there a tissue? Can I have a tissue?
So, Jesus is trying to model something for us here. How are we doing for time? Jesus is trying to model something for us here. Friends, and it was, it was something that we, He wanted us to walk in. So now, very quickly this morning, if we have a look at how we were uh, instructed uh, on the journey up to Pentecost, we will see this morning that it's the same or similar journey. I haven't got time to unpack it. We'll unpack it at a later stage. But when you look at uh, John chapter 4, you will see the woman at the well, and you will see that in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus is speaking there to the woman, and He's saying, if you only knew who was speaking to you, you would ask for them, and I will give you um, living water. Um, and He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would also ask Him, and He would have given you living water. And he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus talks to her and explains to her that there is a drink of water that if you took it, it's a gift. That it will cause you to be transformed and your life to be renewed into a fountain of eternal life. Friends, he's talking about being born again there. But then in John chapter 7, when you go quickly to John chapter 7, you'll see in John chapter 7, Jesus, um, he's in the, uh, he's uh, um, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. This is amazing for me, but it helps us understand something. This must have been very important because Jesus is in a crowd of people. They're all doing a whole bunch of stuff, but he stands up and he begins to shout. If you had to uh, uh, do that yourself, think about it. It's very uncomfortable here. Um, everybody is doing their thing, whatever, and I'm standing up going, Hey, everybody, I want to tell you something. Anyone puts their attention on you. It must be important, right? He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It sounds like John chapter 4 again, right? Whoever believes in me as the Scripture has said. Whoever believes in me as the Scripture has said. Not any Jesus, as the Scripture have, has said. Do you remember when everybody asked him, who do you believe that I am? Who do you say that I am? Friends, as the Scripture has said, believing in Jesus as the Scripture has said is key for our salvation. But then he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive, but as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Wow. Here we're seeing a different experience. Here we're seeing an amazing picture here. Not just taking a drink of water, but this water going from a drink to a river that begins to flow through their lives and out of their lives. And he says, I'm talking about Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Then if we jump quickly to John 20, I don't have time, but John chapter 20 uh, talks about um, um, Jesus when they're all in the, um, in the room, a little bit scared after he, he's been crucified. Um, they're all hiding in the upper room. And uh, we're in the, in the little room, 
And uh, uh, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Um, and um, they all went, oh, cool, yeah, it's Jesus, just, we're all fine. No, they didn't. It says, he said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them their hands and feet and his side, and then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. <laughs> How many know you're afraid, you're hiding in a room, you, 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 you don't know what's, could, could I be next, what's going to happen? Then Jesus just comes into the room, just appears, comes through the wall and says, peace be with you. It's like, um, I, uh, who's this? And uh, they were so petrified. And then he shows them the hands and the feet and the marks. And then suddenly they were glad. Suddenly they recognized. Suddenly they were all, oh, yay, Lord. And then he says again, peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Interestingly here, friends, if we understand that God breathed on Adam and Eve, when he breathed on Adam, he put his breath into Adam. Adam became a living being, friends, and then um, Adam goes and sins, and the breath of God is removed, and Jesus has to come back and restore. He becomes a life-giving spirit, 1 Corinthians 15, and he uh, breathes back that breath back into the disciples. They are born again. It's a born-again experience. It's taking a drink of Holy Spirit coming and rejuvenating and making them born again. How do I know that? Because if we were to jump to Luke, right at the end of Luke, Luke 24, it says, he says, um, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until we are clothed with power from on high. So, hold on a minute. He breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit, but he says to them, you still have to wait and tarry so that you can be clothed from on high. And then Acts chapter 1, jumping there quickly, it says there in the very, right in the very beginning few verses, it says... And while he was staying there, verse 3, he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And um, then when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will this be the time to restore Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. The Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, or Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has come to his disciples. He's, breathed, he's spoken peace over them. He has breathed back into their lives. But he says they still have to wait for the baptism of Holy Spirit, for Holy Spirit to come and fall upon them to receive the power. Two separate, different events, friends, that are taking place here. There is a, a understanding, uh, you know... There's so many scriptures that can help me uh, share this with you, but if I just went to Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 13, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, um, If you then who are evil know how to give 
good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Why would you need to ask Him if it all happens at one event when we get born again? So there was two things that were happening here. There was Holy Spirit coming in and rejuvenating them and making them born again. And then there was another experience of Holy Spirit, being, them being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which happens at uh, Pentecost. And at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, um, to, to, to kind of uh, go a little bit quicker this morning, is simply to say this, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and they, they so... Um, Filled with the Holy Spirit, they just they're declaring the wonders of God. They're speaking in languages they, they that they have never even been trained in or learnt. People from all over the place that are in Jerusalem for the feast are hearing them talk in their own language. Just the power of God. They kind of uh, stumble out into the street and they they look drunk, so filled with Holy Spirit, so saturated with Holy Spirit. And as they are, um, um, power of God is moving. Uh, Peter. Stands up, begins to minister, and I just want to share. Um, he says, uh, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's salvation, friends. Repent and be baptized in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to Himself. This is a promise to you, your children, to everyone who calls. What I, In a quick way, what I'm trying to encourage us with here today is there's two different things that happen here, friends. The one is we receive God. He becomes our Savior and our Lord, and we are transformed. Holy Spirit comes in. Holy Spirit's the one that rejuvenates, makes us come alive. We become one spirit with God. So our spirit man is made alive. We are born again. The breath of God is returned back into our lives. But there's a second uh, moment that happens here that every believer must have, friends. And that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes upon us, friends. Not only do we just take a drink of water, friends, but we jump in the pool. Not only do we have Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit has us. We are filled with Him, surrounded by Him. We become uh, yielded and surrendered to Him and who He is, friends. And He comes and He rests upon us. As Jesus said, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel, to delivery, uh, uh, recovery of sight to the blind, look, to set the captives free. There is a miraculous uh, uh, thing that happens, friends, when Holy Spirit, when we baptize in the Holy Spirit. And what I've been trying to share with you is that baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not some little once-off event, friends. It's not something you can talk and say, oh, I remember that so well back in 97 when, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about Holy Spirit encountering our lives, Holy Spirit filling our lives, Holy Spirit surrounding our lives, Holy Spirit taking control of our lives. A life yielded to Holy Spirit in such a way, friends, that after Holy Spirit takes our lives and, and we are captive 
captivated by Him. We have a relationship with Holy Spirit that a person can push through the crowd and grab hold of us, and they draw from us. The end of Mark chapter 6, friends, it says Jesus went around from town and village and everywhere, and they were bringing all the sick out, friends, and saying, if we could just touch His garment, and every uh, body that touched His garment, friends, they were healed. And Peter, uh, uh, into the Acts and the the New Testament, where Peter, people are bringing the, 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 the people out onto the street, and even as he walks past, just his shadow touching them, they're getting healed. And Paul, who's just doing normal work, friends, he's at his workplace, he's making tents, but as he's making tents, and the sweat of his work as he's making tents, as it touches his headband, as it touches his apron, they're taking that apron, and they are are, are laying it on people's lives, and they're getting healed and set free, and demons are, are being cast out, friends, because Jesus, friends, through the power of the Holy Spirit now, is come upon us as a people to rest upon us, to stay upon us, to be there without limit, friends, that we have this incredible mandate to be a people that would host and that would uh, carry the presence of the Lord, that our lives be so full of Him, friends, that we're so tangible, that people just come into our sphere of influence, come in and touch our lives, and they would be transformed. Friends, there is, we don't, we are, we don't, we dare not settle for anything less then the presence and the power of God that Jesus paid for, that we would be a people that would host the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, friends, that we can be that, those disciples, that when people just come in, they would experience it, that as we declare our words, friends, come into line anointed with the power of God, with the Holy Spirit, and they become life. They become a spirit to people's lives, that when we begin to speak them, friends, it's not just words anymore. Friends, you need the authority of the Word of God, but you also need the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to come. Wants to come today. Wants to come into your lounge right now. He wants to come into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father and Jesus are not here. Holy Spirit is here. Friends, you cannot have a relationship with God, the Father or God, the Son, without Holy Spirit. You cannot live your life as a Christian without Holy Spirit. Not just one encounter, but a relationship constantly being filled, constantly being surrounded, constantly in relationship with beautiful Holy Spirit. I really would encourage you as we end today, because we've run out of time and we'll we'll carry on in the weeks. But I just felt like God saying, I want to encounter people's lives because we didn't get to it, friends. But when you read the different accounts in Scripture, when the Holy Spirit came, sometimes hands were laid, and sometimes He just came. Friends, you don't need hands laid on you this morning. You just need to open your heart and posture your heart. I wonder if we can stand before the Lord this morning, stand before God with our hands open, our hearts postured, and just talk to the Holy Spirit. And if we can ask Him right now, He'll come. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Friends, it's a free gift. The Bible said it's a free gift. You don't have to earn it, deserve it. You just have to receive it. It's a gift. If you can posture your hearts right now, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then, friends, we're not satisfied with where we're at, we want more. 
I just believe if you, if you're in that place of hunger this morning, it's, it's God's calling for a generation that would arise right now that would yield to Holy Spirit, that would be led by Holy Spirit, not fear of man, not worried about what man thinks, what man says, but a life that's yielded, that whatever Holy Spirit says, He's the most important person in the whole world. So Father, as we open our, our hands and our hearts this morning, we want to say to you, here am I, send me, Use me, fill me. Holy Spirit, come. Father, fill my life with the fullness of God, which simply means a house with no empty rooms. That there's no space for anything else but Holy Spirit. Won't you come now and mark us? Mark us, Lord. Consecrate us, set us apart to be a people that are filled with Holy Spirit, to be a people that are led by Holy Spirit, to be a people that are full of power. Jesus never meant the church to be powerless. That's why He sent Holy Spirit. He wanted you to be filled with power, to be clothed with power, to have a relationship with power. We open our arms right now, Father, for those that have never received Holy Spirit. I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and fill them right now. Come and encounter them. May they meet the most beautiful person in the whole world. The greatest gift that God could ever give is a person of Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of Christ. He wants to come. He wants to share Christ with you, I one of the greatest definitions that I've ever heard of the Holy Spirit was one of my fathers, Robert Rufus, when he shared, he said the Holy Spirit, his responsibility is to capture your heart for Christ. That's how you can define him. He captures your heart for Jesus. When you're filled with Holy Spirit, there's no limits, church, to how much Jesus do through you by the power of Holy Spirit, the Word and the Spirit becoming one, causing creation, recreated miracles, miraculous. Won't you come and encounter our lives, not as a moment just for today, Lord God, but as a transforming time, Lord God, that our lives would never be the same again, that we would never be ones who would ignore or neglect Holy Spirit ever again, but that we would be ones who would yield and bow our knee to the will, to the plans, the purposes of God, to Holy Spirit, to the whispers of the Spirit of God, that our lives would be captivated by the Spirit, the personhood. We'll go on to talk about it, but the Bible basically talks of this relationship as that we're called not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to quench the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to have a relationship that lives between those guidelines. Never to grieve Him because we're so aware of Him. 
not wanting to do anything that would upset, that would hurt him or affect him. At the same time, not wanting to quench him when he wants to flow, not wanting to limit him in any way. I ask right now as we yield it to you and standing before you right now, Holy Spirit, you would so come, so come and fill us. Let your power so come, let your fire fall right now. Let your fire fall on your people, Lord God, that we would never be the same again, Lord God. That whether we come out of a lockdown or we're in the lockdown or whatever, Lord God, that nothing would stop your people from flowing in your presence and in your power, Lord God. From allowing your word to go forth in, in, with impact and with power to transform and change lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, won't you come and do what only you can do in every single heart and every single life this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, may this be a moment of encounter in our lives where we get introduced to you, the person, beautiful, Holy Spirit, one God, one of the Godhead, one of the Trinity, such a beautiful person, Lord, not a dove, not a tree, a person whose character and nature is God. that daily we would wake up good morning Holy Spirit because you're the one who are with me I cannot please Jesus or God without you I cannot understand Jesus or God without you I cannot know what to do today for God and for Jesus without you you alone are the one who is near you're the one who comes to comfort to help to lead to God, to make my life meaningful. So thank you right now, Lord God, Holy Spirit. I just believe by faith now that you've touched people's lives because I can't lay hands on them, Lord God, but in the Word tells me that you didn't have to lay hands. The Holy Spirit just fell. Thank you that you're falling on people right now, everywhere. And you're just ministering and you're encountering them and they are meeting you, some for the first time, some just a refreshing and filling again, a reminder, a some just a restoration back in the relationship with you, Holy Spirit. But I pray in the days ahead, Lord God, that we would be a people with such a wonderful relationship with you, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done, and signs and wonders will follow the preaching of your word that we would move in authority and in power in the name of Jesus thank you Holy Spirit thank you for doing what only you can do in our lives we're so grateful you are so beautiful Holy Spirit you're so tender you're such a gentleman Oh, you always with us. You'll never leave us. Thank God we live in the new covenant. We don't have to worry about the cry that David cried is, don't leave me. You'll always be with us. But we want you, your manifest presence. We want to host your presence well. Not just that you're with us, but that you're upon us. That you're surrounding us. That our life is filled with you, led by you. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Will you do all of that in every one of our lives? We're not going to settle for anything less than a life filled with you. What does a church look like filled with the Holy Spirit? Just look at the book of Acts. That's a church filled with Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Father, will you continue, even though we close our meeting or our online time, Lord, would you continue to minister to people's lives throughout today and tomorrow and every day going forward? May we never be the same again, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, friends, that you are encountering God, and I'd love you to send messages or, or, or um, just to share with us what Jesus did in your life today. Um, it, would, it would be wrong of me to, to just go off without just saying this. If there's any person who is listening to this uh, broadcast right now and you are suffering in your body with any pain or any sickness or disease or infirmity, um, then I want you to reach your hand out to your phone or your computer or whatever screen you're looking at right now. And I want to pray for you and I want to ask Holy Spirit that you would come right now. That Holy Spirit, that you would come right now and that you would go right into that area of need. Because I thank you, Lord God, that you said in your word that by Jesus' stripes we were healed. And in Psalm 107 verse 20, it says, you sent forth your word and healed them. And I send forth that healing word right now. I send it forth, Lord God, into every single person that's sick, that has any sickness, disease, or infirmity, or pain. And I command that sickness, disease, and infirmity to be gone and to loose their body in the name of Jesus. I thank you that your word goes forth. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and collide and connect and unite with that word and bring forth powerfully a miraculous healing in people's lives right now in the name of Jesus. And if people who have pain in the lower back, straight away I just felt the Lord say, pain in the lower back, you will be gone, you will bow in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now for complete healing of pain in the lower back in the name of Jesus. Arthritis, you will bow to the name of Jesus. Arthritis, you will loose people right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name right now. Thank you Lord for complete healing in every single person's body right now. Every single pain and ache is gone in the name of Jesus because Holy Spirit has come and Holy Spirit has uh, taken the Word of God and caused a, a miracle to happen in your body in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We sent forth your Word in power and in authority and I thank you that it heals them in Jesus' name. Church, if you've got any pain or discomfort or anybody who's listening to this right now, begin to act because faith is an action. Begin to act. If you've had pain in your lower back, begin to touch your toes, begin to twist and turn and see. And, and we'll trust the Lord that your pain is gone. If you have received a miracle this morning in your body of healing, then also send us your testimony. Tell us about it. We'd love to uh, be blessed and encouraged by what God is doing in and through your life. Bless you. Love every single one of you. Uh, have an awesome and a wonderful day in Jesus' name.